I don't even care if it's done once, and it just still looks like poop. It, it, I know that it was be it was regurgitated. <laughs> just just in case you're wondering, I have started the recording. Shit. <laughs> Get Instagram up. I know because I threw that door away. There's always a chance. There's always a chance. I, uh, it was your own fault. Predict myself. <laughs> your own fault. Day glow. I need to get some caution wet floor signs going here. <laughs> caution here. I'm telling you, traffic cones isn't a bad idea for when the cats throw up all over the place. Oh, jeez. Traffic cones are smart. Traffic cones are a good idea. Can you set them out for me? The week before Christmas pile. That's the episode. That's the name of the episode. That's, I, I cannot make that call for you. I do not know if you have everything. That is not on my agenda, a list of things that I should accomplish before setting up the, the show. You don't have any interest in talking shit. That has nothing to do with anything. Alright, that's level. That's level. And we're on camera. Slide a little bit to your right. Just a little bit, though. That seems off center. Oh! How did they knock that over? Can you do me a favor and just pick that back up and put it right on top of that box of comics? Oh, she was getting on top of it. And then she slid her ass over and... damaged your book. Your Nagger copy of Wonder Woman 794 will never be worth a billion dollars. Are you happy? What? How did that get bent? I noticed that this was bent also. It was already bent. No, you know what? Maybe On both sides. I did, I did smush them when I sat down. So. Sat down where? Just now? No, no, no. Uh, I was going to say, no, they, I noticed this when I was reading. All right. I kept going back to the front and looking at it because I was trying to see if there was like any hidden stuff, and I was like, I don't think I still see that one. So maybe I did pass that one. I still have to jump there too. Way to go! Way to go! Well, it could have been worth billions, but sadly now never. All right, let's go live. Every every issue could be every issue could be worth billions. That's why you should collect them all. Hi, everybody. We are now live. It is I, the Sussman, Rick Sussman, joined, as always, by the original angry nerd girl herself, Ella Sh oh, 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 dear, oh, dear, Ella Strange, that was weird, uh, <laughs> we are back again with more comics to review, more things to kvetch about, and more importantly, a winter cold front, so, um, you might be saying to yourself, but Rick, uh, you're still wearing your trademark shorts that don't cover your knees and a t-shirt, mm -hmm. how do we know it's actually cold in Orlando today? Well, I'll have you know I'm wearing socks. Indoors. Socks. Indoors. Not what just socks. Mean? The I, MS socks that I, I stole from Lauren. I am wearing what they call a sweater. <laughs> this doesn't matter because on warm days, you just wrap yourself in blankets anyway. But this is specifically sort of... one of my winter sweaters. <laughs> I have two winter sweaters. I, I only wear them uh -huh. in the winter because they're, I see. they're tighter. I so see. I see. 
they actually make me feel warmer. And so I, uh, I'm only wearing them when it's actually cold. I haven't seen this sweater or worn this sweater for like two years. <laughs> so if you weren't aware, um, while the entire country is under 17 feet of snow, Florida is actually colder than normal. And most Floridians are having difficulties with that, myself included. Uh, in fact, watch this, everybody. Hey, L. Mm. On Christmas Day, the high is going to be like 48. On the night before Christmas, Christmas Eve, it's going to dip down into below freezing. I, that means like 31 degrees. I made a suggestion that you just thought was a joke. <laughs> move everything to the bedroom. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I suggested that we move everything over the next week. Everything we need. Uh-huh. For the span of those 48 hours. Yeah. To the bedroom. Like it's some sort of like like winter <laughs> snowmageddon is coming. It will be our cave. Our cave. <laughs> We're going to hibernate. <laughs> winter our, cave. Our, our bedroom. We get all the cats. We have access to a bathroom there. There is a glass sliding glass door if we need to talk to anybody outside. <laughs> We're fine. We're good. We should we should close off all the other doors of the hallway. And then when we Uber something, they could come all the way to the bedroom and well, knock the on the bedroom. system. <laughs> <laughs> to the front door. Put it in the Pull basket. <laughs> Put the food in the basket, please. Thank That's you. That's really what the special instructions is there Put for. Put the food in the basket. <laughs> people know. Put there the is the a pulley system the available, could you please? Put the food in the basket, ring the bell. <laughs> all right. Now, generally on the show, we tend to try and discuss nerd news before we get into our comic book reviews and there's a big story this week there was actually a couple of big stories this week i'm not gonna lie mm. uh, but the one that has been dominating the nerd news cycle is that ai manga filter but other than that is um l you're about to watch the black adam movie because now it's available on uh, hbo max yes that's how i watch I listen. I'm for it. I'm down. If if I wasn't if I wasn't a a, if I wasn't a masochist and one of my best friends wasn't also a sadist, he and I wouldn't have gone to see Black Adam in theaters. I will tell you, we saw it opening weekend and with like twelve other people. Um, But I I tend to watch movies uh, at home as well. So so Black Adam is 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 uploaded, Uh and also this week. we found out that James Gunn is being very serious about his decision to completely, it seems, reboot and relaunch the DCEU, going yeah. so far <laughs> as to go ahead and say, hey, Henry Cavill, yeah, you're not Superman anymore. So thanks for all the fish. Goodbye. What's this so messed up about this is it's is two months after he announced that he was going to be Superman again. Yeah, and... I think, you know, it's, when they do stuff like this, it means that they're going to, like, once you cut one person from that continuity, you're going to start taking care of everybody. Oh, yeah. Because then it makes it harder for them to to have them together as a team. So if they feel like that's their goal, that's that's what they want, they want to create, like, like, be able to put a team together like Marvel has done and everything, then... They feel like how they have to really start over. Well, I'm with I, I I'm, with I'm with James Gunn on that for that specific reason. I I think the DCEU is a dumpster fire that needs to be done away with. Uh-huh. Uh, as you remember, the only inductee into the trash pile this year was Ezra Miller, 
uh, their movie, the Flash, you know, re, uh, a Flashpoint movie, still technically on the docket to be released some point because it reboots the entire DCEU. Hooray. Maybe that's... what I think what it is, if, if you didn't have that whole part where he was like, I'm going to be Superman again, then it wouldn't be so weird, I think. Well, like, right, because he, he not, canceled. Is he not he in the loop on things? He canceled season four. Well, that's how fast things change in Hollywood. Yeah. But they, he said he's not going to be the Witcher after season three. That there's mm-hmm. that um, one of the Hemsworth brothers will be the Witcher going forward. And everyone went, "Oh no!" But we love Henry Cavill as the Witcher, and also he's a big nerd and he understands the lore. And Henry was like, "Yeah, but I got to go be Superman." Mm-hmm. So now people are like, "Okay, well, is he going to come back for the Witcher?" And then it, does that mean that Liam Hemsworth gets the boot from the Witcher? D- now, there's also rumors that Henry Cavill is going to be finally getting his Warhammer 40K movie up and running, which I can't wait for. That would be amazing. Anything nerd-related that Henry Cavill is going to be attached to, I guarantee you, is going to be phenomenal. The man is a beefy, gorgeous nerd, and he really does love the, um, the source material. He builds his own Warhammer sets. He paints his own Warhammer figures. You know, this is this is a beautiful, muscular British man who still is also a giant dork and definitely got his underwear pulled over his head in grade school for having <laughs> all of those Warhammer 40k books in his backpack. I guarantee it. So he's going to be fine. Yeah. I think it is sad because I, I don't think he ever really got the people around him uh-huh. to really cut loose and play a fantastic Superman. Man of Steel was good. Mm-hmm. Batman v Superman, Dawn of Oh My God, What Are We Doing was really bad. Mm-hmm. Justice League was also not great. Um, but you got to see a couple of moments of Henry Cavill's Superman that were really fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's made sporadic appearances in the DCEU, sort of, you know, like stingers. Here's the other side of the coin. And apparently, yeah. this is unconfirmed. Okay. This is not 100%. We know that Henry Cavill is leaving uh, Superman because he made an Instagram post about it. Well, the next part of the story is not legit that I know of. Mm-hmm. Appar- it's a rumor. It's a rumor. Something it's a rumor. Okay. it's a rumor. It's a rumor that's been spread around and might uh, be nothing. Okay. Evidently, mm-hmm. James Gunn has gone to Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, and said, Hey, bub, we're not going to do any more of this Black Adam bullshit. That was terrible. Okay, thanks. Bye. Okay. That's it? That's it. Oh. Okay, well, that's not really that big. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's a surprise. It's a surprise. They, the movie just came out. It, the biggest movie star on the planet. <laughs> That'd be like telling, you know, Terminator that's 2, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger, we don't need you back He's for Terminator 3. fucking character. Every movie. Every, every, every movie. movie. Again, you haven't seen... Black I Adam. I haven't seen it, but I'm expecting... I know what... I think I've seen it. <laughs> I think I've seen it. <laughs> the only real criticism... This is true. The only real criticism I have about Black Adam, I swear to God. Okay. This is this is my only honest criticism. Yeah. The Rock makes absolutely no attempt to sound like he's from, uh, 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 like, a- Egypt-adjacent country like Kadak is. Like, I am who I am. He's like, he's like <laughs> I'm just gonna talk. My name is Black Adam. I'm like, okay, can you do one with like an Egyptian style accent? Okay, sure. My name is Black Adam. <laughs> Perfect. We got, we got it, everybody. That's, that's what the voice we're going. With. Like, imagine if you came to me and like Rick, 
I need you to do a voiceover for for the for the vet clinic. Could you, could you change your voice slightly? Your, anyway. Okay. <laughs> Hi everybody. This is Rick the Sussman Sussman for local vet clinic. Now you want a second take? Yeah. All right. Completely different voice. You ready? Yeah. Let's do it. Hi everybody. This is Rick the Sussman Sussman for local vet clinic. Did you hear the different inflections? Yeah. Completely. So that was my only actual criticism of the movie. The rest of the movie is is very fun and very like entertaining, and I did have a good time. It is ridiculously impossible to ignore the fact that uh, the Rock, as Black Adam, who is supposed to be you know this five thousand year old Shazamian like entity, and he shows up, you're like, "What's up, everybody? It's me, the Rock. Hi. I mean, it's me, the Black Adam. Hi, everybody." So that part, that's tough. Okay, so let me let me let me, let me say a couple of things. Okay. So I understand the whole uh, thing about. The Rock and everything like that. Okay, we understand. He, unfortunately, could only play, like, one character for a different person. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's not true. You could. You could play other characters if you so chose. But it's always the same character. Oh, no, you mean The, the Rock. Yeah, yes, like, he yeah. can. He's yeah. been the same character since so the rundown, for sure. For so let's go back to Henry now. Okay, okay. Henry Cobble. Yep. Now, I think the whole... My buddy Hank. Yes, uh, the whole problem with that is that it, it, it's... The nerds. We we are putting him. We're wanting him in too many roles. He can't be spread so thin. <laughs> well, it's not just the nerds. It's headcanon. Headcanon has ruined. You know, because like I think everybody. He there's too many projects out there. You, you can't expect him to do name all of Henry Cavill's current projects. Do you understand that if you want him to be Superman, yeah, yeah. and you want him to also be. Um, in the you want him to do like the Warhammer stuff sure, and sure. everything, yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's nothing else. What, what the Witcher, it? yeah, the Witcher. Yeah, he's yeah. doing none of those currently. But I'm saying like there's probably something going on in his career that he's preparing for. Maybe, no. Stuff like that happens all the time. Like you said, I just don't want them to. You know what I don't want? You know what I don't want? I don't want to them to announce a new Batman, and I don't want them to announce a new Joker, because I will I will just scream bloody murder into the night. I mean, are you just, because you're afraid of what the choice will be? No, no, I just don't, I, don't I, I, I can't do I this. I mean, we have a musical now with Lady Gaga. Remember, that Joker Quinn. and that Harley Quinn take place in an entirely different continuity. I understand, but they, they don't but they're exist. Telling us, but they're telling it it does exist, it just seems not connected. There's rumors. There's. I'm gonna. You made it. It's real. I'm gonna. I'm gonna let you in. I'm gonna let you in on a really terrible rumor idea. What? Since Robert Patterson's The Batman uh-huh. takes place on Earth Two, though it's never mentioned in the movie, it, it, they did that as part of the marketing. Mm-hmm. They have never officially mentioned where Joaquin Phoenix's Joker takes mm-hmm. place. So people are saying that since it's set in like the '80s. And it's 80s Gotham, and Bruce is very young. You get to see a young Bruce Wayne for a moment. Mm. That Joaquin Phoenix Joker is the Joker of Robert Patterson's Batman, but they haven't caught up to each other in the timelines yet for the movies. So... They might be stuck with them. I will say... I will say this. Oh, she's just trying. The presents from below. Oh, well. Stop it! Thanks, Mom. Uh, sorry. Anyway, uh, the Robert Patterson Joker, the Joaquin, or the Robert Patterson Batman, the Joaquin Phoenix Joker, mm-hmm. both take place in an entirely separate movie. What I want is for DC to just scrap all of that, bring Robert Patterson in, 
leave him. The Joker, by the way, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker is very convincing. The movie I thought was fucking terrible, but the character I could watch Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker forever. The story of the movie I absolutely hated. I absolutely hated. But that character development, that how much he worked to be the Joker, unbelievable. I still want you to watch that movie. I do admit the movie in and of itself bad. But remember how when we watched Venom and the first Venom movie and everything about the movie was terrible except for the time that Tom Hardy was on the screen like playing off of Venom? As you said, yes. I, I, I thought it was a fine movie. It was okay. I'm not a big Venom fan either, so it's not like I was... Are you a fan of good storytelling? I've seen some of the things I watched. That's a fair point. Moving on. <laughs> Elle and I shared a book this week on our The Read Pile. Elle is going to do the review of it, and I will comment thereafter. Uh, Elle's Read Pile this week, as is the case with December, was kind of lackluster. Yeah. Not a lot of options. But it's December. It's a five-week December. There's going to be oh, weeks. Wow. Yeah, there's going to be weeks where books aren't, there just aren't that many. But we did have a new number one that we wanted to share together. And it's a very important new number one because why, Elle? Well, <laughs> we do have a couple of. Oh, I don't want to do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Okay. We have a few pillars of the read pile. How many? Four. Four. All right. So we have Mayor of Halloween Town, uh, aka Colin Bunn. We have the Clock King, Tom King, Everyone Dies Taylor, Tom Taylor. OG Gail Simone. I still don't have my copy of Variants. Why the hell do I keep forgetting? We gotta go to the comic book store again. Yes, sorry. Okay, we can do that. We can do that. Alright. Uh, and this week uh, I had an issue of Danger Street, number one, by Tom King. Ding! Ding! There you go, on the pillars. Alright. Alright, let's hear so, your review and then I will comment my review. It's what we expect from Typical King. Typical uh, King? Uh, many stories are going on at the same time. Uh, we have a down and out bunch of heroes that want to do something big so they can get into the Justice League. Or in Metamorpho's case, back to the <laughs> Justice League. <laughs> yes. Uh, which is funny because you get little tales. It's really, oh man, I you don't know that, you know, it's a it, wonderful place to be, you did know. It not, <laughs> did it not feel a lot like Peacemaker, the way that Metamorpho was talking about all the... Because in Peacemaker, he's always telling everybody that the Justice League's a bunch of dicks. Mm -hmm. And then, like, I felt like Metamorpho was, like, the counter to Peacemaker. It's kind of the same thing as, yeah. like, uh, you see a lot of it with um, the whole story between, like, Blue Beetle and Booster Gold. They're constantly trying to, like, yeah, get back. Up, yeah, you know? yeah. Like, Booster Gold in particular is constantly trying to like you know be a big Get hero big races, and yeah. stuff but you know so you have that going on then you have like this group of kids like innocent kids are trying to have fun and they get into some shit like shit uh and there's a lady cop that's just wants to keep peace and take care of the world around her and then you have uh, this desperate actor willing to do whatever it takes to you know get for the job to get the job and somehow all the shit is supposed to eventually come together yes and that's just how he writes that's tom and, king yes that's tom yes. king and i will say this i was definitely lost 
the beginning. <laughs> it just happens. That's fair. And I think we need to just let people know it is going to be a loss. Yeah. It's normal. Yeah. Because you're supposed to feel detached, and you're supposed to say, okay, and you're supposed to start asking questions. Yeah. Like, where, where, I know this is going to come together, but where is it going to come together? How, how are these stories going to overlap? There's no way it's, that this is just, sur- like, random stories. You Barbara, know? get down. Barbara. <clears throat> Barbara. But I think the best part yes. is he's married. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's the best part. Yes. And interesting. <laughs> because that raises even more <laughs> questions. And you need to know, it, 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 there's just like this whole oh. other layer. Oh, I didn't even show the book. <laughs> uh, this whole other layer that's overlapping all the stories, raising more questions. Right. And so, it's just ridiculous. Important note, of course, this is part of the DC Black Label, yeah, which is still apparently a thing, uh, even though... I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I, I accept. <laughs> whatever. Fine. Sure. Who cares? So, this is part of the Black Label, um, Once Upon a Time in a Far-Off Kingdom, book one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the name. It's Danger Street, Once Upon a Time, the, the, the Atlas the Greatest, chapter one. Uh, George Fornes uh, doing the uh, co- is the cover artist. Dave Stewart, the uh, colorist. Clayton Cow- uh, Cowell's letter. All people that we know and have seen much of their work. I also really enjoyed the very retro vibe of the entire issue. Mm-hmm. It felt vi- this is this is Tom King doing Tom King things. This is very much in line with uh, Strange Adventures, which had a very retro feel to it. And more nineties. Like yes. Well, I was gonna say more eighties, like late. Oh no, no, no. You would be right. Early nineties. Early nineties. Yes. Absolutely. When I say nineties, I'm usually yeah. referring to the early nineties. No, no. Very early. Like even the way the paper <laughs> feels, it feels almost newsprint like, like you expect from the early nineties comics. Yep. And then of course, because it's Tom King, he just scrapes whatever's left at the bottom of the barrel of DC Comics and puts together Metamorpho Starlight. <laughs> I think his name is. I don't even know that character. <laughs> And uh, Warlord is in here. And and Warlord isn't just in here. Warlord looks like a regular human again uh, until he puts on his Warlord costume and then he looks ridiculous once more. And thank you so much for that, Tom King. That was a wonderful respite for Warlord. Yes, and that's a great part because I, I knew you would want to talk about that specifically, about the characters yeah. that are, are being brought to the pages. Yes. And it's great. I mean, I... Of course, there's a, a character here that we we are very well aware of, we know about, um, but it's seeing all these other characters kind of brought to light, uh, seeing and questioning how all these individuals are going to connect. Yes. Because you you start out with all these stories that you just you don't expect them to so. connect. So you weren't at the comic book store yesterday. You, mm-hmm. we, we had we needed to go at different times. Um, when I got in there, I was picking up. I have a, another Tom King book on my book. Spoiler: It's on my read pile. It's Love Everlasting. Mm-hmm. And the uh, young lady behind the counter who always helps us, um, she was mentioning how she's going to read Love Everlasting as a trade. She's very into it, Tom King book, mm-hmm. but she's only going to read it as a trade. And I sort of said, you know, that might work better because Tom King, as we know, is sort of the, we call him the Clock King. He is the king 
of making these incredibly like the, the book starts like this mm -hmm. and then by the time you get to the last issue everything's connected he does not he doesn't miss a beat everything comes together but it's it's such a wide chasm when you get started with Tom King that when it comes together it's very impressive so mm -hmm. to your point issue one is all over the place but it's designed to be all over the place and it is a very niche market for comic book nerds and I think Tom King is doing a bang up job but I understand mm -hmm. your what the fuck is going on here trying to read issue one of Tom King because I don't know if I've ever read issue one of a Tom King book where I didn't feel totally lost but that's sort of the beauty of his writing and unfortunately I will say this yeah <coughs> it makes you really feel for every character it does because, it does because you're trying to connect he, yeah. he writes you're you're getting these long stories of the particular characters you're getting to know them a little bit yeah the sub e each group the you know? subplot with the creeper and, is amazing yeah and so you're starting to to feel for these characters no matter what the ending when they're all connected is going to happen it turns not, out not everyone's going to get a happy story no, 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 no. <laughs> in fact we already have one big death in issue one Unexpected, <laughs> technically two. Now that I think about it, three. three? At, le at least no, there was definitely two. There was definitely two, and there's kind of a third one. We'll see. Yeah. Really impressive stuff. It does bother me that it's part of the black label because what even is the black label anymore? But whatever. I think it's where you go. Anything goes. Yeah, but I mean, don't forget DC versus vampires. Not a black label book. And I'm gonna get to that later in my reviews. L, okay. what else do you have for us? Uh, Every time I try to make sense of it. Yeah, I, I try. Wait, I'm trying wait. in DC. Just fucking wait. <laughs> Just you fucking wait until I get to my books. You are going to lose your I'm shit. Fighting for you. Come on, DC. <laughs> All right, what do you got? It's Elvira in Horrorland. This is issue five of five. five. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so sad. <laughs> I am very sad for it to be the last issue. It's over. All right, so this issue. Um, like we do, did, well, did, uh, we get with the end of all the other issues, we get uh, a little hint at what movie we were going to be jumping into. Oh, so this is video drone. Yeah. So this is The Fly. Um, that's video go back. No, no, go back. It is The Fly. Yeah. Uh, that's where they go. And then from there, we start having other movies kind of tied oh, in. Oh, okay, okay. <clears throat> Because I think the idea is, which I'm sorry I haven't seen all the, the other, some of the like movies that are mentioned in here, but it is from the same director. Yeah, yeah. Cronenberg. Yeah. I haven't seen a lot of these, but I still very much enjoyed uh, the fact that they were, making, they were making obvious jokes about the movies. You could tell because it, the way it was, like the... Uh, uh, you know, a joke was being told, or the way it was drawn for you to kind of have that <gasps> moment, you know? And so it happens a lot. That's tremendous. It is. That is tremendous. So even though a lot of other movies are kind of tied in, uh, Elvira gets jumped around a little bit, so that's something a little different in this issue. Uh, she does get drawn back to the fly, I yeah. promise. We do get all the jokes that we were hoping for. Yes. Like, you know, just, you know, everything. And once again, I could hear Jeff Goldblum's 
voice. Oh, yeah. I, I hear it in the more in the writing. What about James Woods? Did but the face. Oh, I did okay. not agree with the, the drawing okay. of his face. Right. I feel certain angles. That I mean that's him. that's one of the best versions of James Woods I've no, ever seen. No, that was spot on. Yeah. <laughs> that's spot on. <laughs> but no, I like, saw because then because when I saw that I knew we were in a different movie. Oh well that's obviously James Woods. I was like, all right, we definitely jumped. I was like, I haven't seen this movie, but we've jumped. <laughs> But she gets her interactions with uh, Owen Wilson yeah. and the WoW. Uh, we is the final stand down. Uh, it we showdown. Huh? Not stand down. Showdown. Showdown. Oh, what did I say? You said stand down. Stand down. Okay, whatever. Sorry. I got you. Uh, we get the final um, results. Yes. Uh, and it's not exactly. What you expect, but is very well welcomed. I I, I love it. Uh, happy for all the puns, uh, all the nerd jokes. They bring in horror movie jokes. Uh, it just everything. If you've watched Elvira, yeah, you know, do her thing. It's it's this was meant to be. I understand. I love it. Uh, this was a volume obviously focused on movies, horror movies. Uh, and we do get our uh, little sneak peek at the next volume, so I'm very glad there is going to be another volume, and it's going to be Elvira in Monsterland. So, I can't wait. I am a little sad to see this one go, because there's other movies I wanted to be part of this, but I also understand we don't want to drag it out too much. Bullshit. I don't want to get That is like Elvira in a nutshell, is let the joke go on way too fucking long. That's true. Yeah. She's been running the same shtick for 40 years, and now we find out she's bisexual, and that's even better. I think that's why I always do it. I don't know why. <laughs> your, your, your radar was like, mm, Elvira, I'm I don't know. Here. First Wonder Woman. <laughs> I didn't awesome. even... <laughs> Hi, everybody. Elle that Strange. was like 15 years Do you have a bisexual character that you need at the forefront of your book? Why are you not reading Superman? Is it only female bisexual characters, not male-presenting bisexual characters? Because John Kent is bisexual. I don't want to upset anybody. Tim Drake. <laughs> I see. Maybe. I don't know. Not your pick of the week. It is not. But, but another bisexual is. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Are we learning more things about ourselves now? This one's from DC Universe. <laughs> <laughs> the, proper, the proper DCU. This is Wonder Woman issue 794 and with a dynamite cover. What a fantastic cover. Absolutely iconic that I cover. Bent. That I bent. Yeah, that <laughs> you, you probably you, could see it. You fucking <laughs> ruined it. Oh my god. I might just go buy another copy of this and throw this one in the trash. Okay, we'll just give it back to him and tell him I can just give it to him. If you could just give this to a, 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 a nice uh, homeless bisexual girl. <laughs> so, what happened? Tell us about Wonder Woman. I didn't even write it down. Oh I, my god. I gotta, oh. I gotta tell you. You gotta, gotta tell feel me. feel it. You gotta, you gotta you. sense it. Your pick of the week. It is my pick of the week. Pick of the week. Um, <clears throat> it's insane. Okay. Uh, I will say that this whole missing thing, maybe that's something that's gonna come about. It might just be or the cover. Or maybe it's like a hint of things to come. I, I, I don't know. Uh, but the hand. The hand is what we need to pay attention to. Uh, very, very godlike hand. Because... What's going on in the world of just 
Wonder Woman. Everything Wonder Woman is just, bleh, here we go. Um, <clears throat> the whole thing with the milk company, we know Cisco was behind it. Mm -hmm. uh, we know now that Hera uh, is wanting to plot something for the gods to become strong again. The gods feel very un uneasy and feel that they are losing their power because people aren't worshiping them anymore. They, the they aren't, you know, sacrificing for them and, and, and doing things in the name of them and things like that. So they, they feel like they need to gain this back. They need to do something drastic. Uh, and it will be by whatever means necessary. Right. Hera is not a good god <laughs> right now. She's very jealous. At, at all. Um, Jealousy. <laughs> and we are finally seeing her plans, you know, coming about. Unfortunately, I say it like that because we're, we're yeah, we're starting to see it. It's actually been going on this whole time. Right. We're seeing how she's just had layers in her plans. Uh, Wonder Woman and her, her team have been seeing this. They haven't been, you know, unaware of the situation, but they didn't know what was the connection until now. Now they're seeing. Now they know for sure. The whole team knows. Um, and it's just, it's insane to see their world being torn apart because how do you fight the gods? Yes, Wonder Woman has, this is like this is the young Diana. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. That, like, that ending of young Diana was kind of fucked up. Yeah, weird. All right, anyway, uh, <laughs> how do you fight the gods? How do you fight the gods, you know? Just and don't look. Just, just don't, don't look. look. <laughs> well, I mean, it worked apparently. Yeah. <laughs> they, they felt like they lost all their powers. Uh, but uh, it's, it's insane. Just the amount of things that are going on. Uh, you, you, unfortunately... You're seeing how she could easily, Wonder Woman could easily feel completely powerless. But at the same time, she has such a team behind her. She even has Cheetah yes. sticking by her side. Yes. Uh, she even makes a comment about, look, I, I see, uh, you know, you guys admire her for everything she does. She, I've always hated her. I've her <laughs> for so long. I still hate her. But I respect the fact that she came back and saved me and stuck by me. Right. Stayed by my side until I was better. So I'm not going to overlook that. So, so you, Let me ask you a question. You know. And plus she wants revenge. <laughs> let me ask you a question. Yeah. Do you think that Becky Cloonan has been writing this specifically as a cheetah redemption story to finally drag cheetah away from this bizarre villain uh trope. no no okay. i don't want to go i don't want to do that all right i don't want to start grasping at things like that i think this is this is just this the story. is a lot of story I, got I think this is more about the gods okay i think the idea of cheetah i don't think it's all going to be for focused on cheetah i think she's there I think she's more of one of the popular villains because of the movie. Uh, I think because um, it was an easy villain for you to throw in there to show that a villain yeah. is 
there to even back up Wonder Woman during a time like this. Uh, we even saw it in the, I mean, we see it in the movies all the time, or in, even in the comics, how villains will side with the heroes in times of need. Yeah. And this is one of the times that, you know, this character is going to do that. Because uh, she has had this happen before. They've had this run in where they've this had is to true. together. This is true. So You're it's right. not unknown. Right. They, it's just showing that Dr. Minerva is still Dr. Minerva in the end. Still wanting to do good. But, and is able to put aside what her wants and needs are and what her views of what the world should be. Um, you know, to save, just save the world, you know? I thought you. So, you know, when they both can see that, you know, they have a common threat, they will band together because they both respect each other. Um, no matter how long they've been, you know, fighting yeah. and been enemies, you know, she even mentions how she's made Wonder Woman's name equals, you know, to enemy, but but now she's willing to stand by her side to help her uh, with everything that's going on because they're going to need everybody. They're going to need a lot of people. And I think the best part of this is who shows up at the very last page. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was interesting. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Just bring it all. Bring it all. Oh, it's going to be huge. Oh, right, 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 da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, thank you for that, L, uh, Lestrange, for that The Read Pile this week. Yeah. Because it's here? We're not to oh, the oh, beginning. Oh. We have a New Year's Day, a New Year's Eve Day <laughs> show where we can do our picks of the year. It'll, it'll, it, it'll be like January 1st. We're going to do our picks of the year for 2022. There are others on the list, too. I have a list. Yes. I have a list. Oh, well, yeah, you have... Also, we need to watch Videodrome, we need to watch Scanners, and I think you need to rewatch Fly again. I don't know. But you definitely need to watch Videodrome and Scanners. Oh, I will always watch Fly again. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. That's Fly. I like it. Moving on to my The Read Pile, and we start, of course, with my almost pick of the week, my book of honor, if you will. Uh, and we're starting this week with Wildcats Issue 2. Uh, interesting side note, they did make sure, of course, in this DC comic to put limited series hmm. because sure and I, yes let's just start making I mean, we definitely need a dry erase board okay and we're going to start keeping track of all the different imprints within DC yeah. so we'll do like a little DC and then we'll start a little tree we need, we, we need <laughs> string we need so if it's a black label it Anyway, what's interesting, <laughs> right off the bat about this limited series, of course, it's about Grifter and Zealot, and we're learning more about the new Wildcats, and almost immediately, um, shit goes south, and they're trying to rescue somebody, and it doesn't work out, and Grifter nearly dies. And in the hospital, he's talking to a random nurse two days later after this attack, and he goes, yeah, so it turns out that guy Nightwing was in charge of them all. He even turned Superman. We tried to save the planet, but we couldn't stop them. And the nurse says, wow. And he says, this is Grifter. So we fled the, we fled to this universe, and I will do anything to protect it. That's how I ended up here. And the nurse again says, wow. 
So what Grifter is talking about here is very literally what's going on in DC vs. Vampires, which Grifter is a part of. Also, not, uh, not hard to believe, it's by Matthew Rosenberg, who is doing DC vs. Vampires along with James Tinian the first, uh, fourth, pardon me, and Wildcats. So, and Matthew Rosenberg, as I've mentioned time and time again, simply does not allow you to forget recent continuity and issues within the DC comics. He is constantly there to remind everybody, hey, this book existed. Hey, that book existed. And in this issue of Wildcats, we're finding out that this specific grifter is the exact same grifter that appears in DC versus Vampires. Uh-huh. But evidently, we're going to get to a conclusion where he flees that continuity to come to this continuity, which we're not entirely sure what continuity this is, because some of the major villains that there's that we get to meet in this continuity is Mrs. Freeze, Victor Freeze's actual wife, yeah. who has taken up his mantle for reasons. Okay. So things are not quite Earth Prime here. Everything's a little off. Just a little off. Uh, not 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 the continuity where everybody has to poop just right now or anything like that. Yeah, nothing too crazy. But, like, but like, why are you wearing so and so's clothes? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And then we we get the introduction at the end of the issue of the new Seven Soldiers of Victory, and this again is Matthew Rosenberg saying, "Hey, do you guys remember when Grant Morrison wrote this incredibly long, sparl, uh, sprawling storyline called? That was, that was about fifteen years ago. I have all those issues. I remember." Clarion was there, and so many other, um, and, and now we have the new Seven Soldiers of Victory. And wow. there's I was like, Mr. that seemed, that sounded familiar. Okay. Mr. Majestic yeah, yeah, yeah. is here, Maul from the Wildcats, the original Maul is here. I'm not sure of most of these characters, and but that's fine. But again, it's Matthew Rosenberg reminding everybody, also we, we get appearance of the uh, Court of Owls, which mm-hmm. is important later on in my The Reading Pile. Uh, but again, it's Matthew Rosenberg tapping into modern DC continuity that is kind of forgotten, kind but it's part of the universe. And it hasn't been it hasn't been retconned. It hasn't been removed. It's not black label. So remember how I'm like, why is DC versus vampires not black label? Because mm-hmm. black label doesn't exist. Black label is just a story in and of itself that has nothing to connect to and we're always bitching about how DC versus vampires and deceased I don't think I don't even think deceased is black label. I think it's I think it's just a different story or something. Yeah. So here's Matthew Rosenberg saying, <laughs> "Well, listen guys, if you're paying attention, I will string these ropes together for you. I'm here. I'm just going to write this book called Wildcats, it's a limited series, but it's going to explain to you why DC versus Vampires is not black label." Okay. Impressive. Because in one throwaway interaction with Grifter and some hot nurse that he's trying to bang, who is ignoring him completely, we find out that Black... What the hell was that? Where's that coming from? There's a buzzing noise that just picked up. Like, out of nowhere. Hold on, we gotta investigate this. This is weird.
Alright, so one of our packs has decided to mess with the soundbar by our TV, and it is making a weird buzzing noise, and Rick is trying to fix it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that was terrifying. Did you fix it? Yeah, it's fine. Alright. I just rejiggled the wires. <laughs> when in doubt, jiggle the wires. Sorry about that, everyone. Kind of a momentary, uh, what the fuck is going on, are we all going to die situation. Not that big a deal. I'm still hearing it, though. Or is that just the fan now? It's just the fan. All right, let's move on. Let's move on so that we don't die. Speaking of not dying, it's the next issue of Grimm from Seth Phillips uh, by way of Boom Studios and uh, Flaviano doing the artwork. And this is good. Um, it is... It is the start of the next arc. Mm. Uh, they do not make any bones about it. The, the, we are moving right along. Uh, I'm a little disappointed that the previous arc ended at five without much of a um, conclusion. But, okay. I wasn't expecting Grimm to go on beyond five issues, but now we're up to issue six. Um, and I'm, I'm along for the ride. I want to see where we're going with this. I want to see why this, this young woman tried to self-emulate, which means set yourself on fire. Um, I want to see why all of these random people are starting to get these weird symbols on their foreheads, depending. Okay. Um, I want to know what's going on in Limbo and why things are happening. Did we see those, uh... The symbols of Brand New. We've that, never that, seen them before. Yeah, okay. yeah, Brand New. Um, we get some interesting, uh, mentions. Uh, there's also one of my favorite tropes in all of comicdom shows up here. The Weird Sisters Return. Another version of the Weird Sisters, whom I love. In this case, it looks like they're all drag queens, which is even more fantastic. One of them is even a bearded queen. And um, they they are apparently going to be a big part of the this next arc. I'm down with this. We're getting much beyond what we started with as far as Grimm is concerned. And we get this really cool epilogue where the Weird Sisters are trying to mess with the strings of destiny, and they apparently can't. And that's interesting. This is a very interesting issue. It is very issue 1E, mm -hmm. very issue 1-esque. Um, so it wasn't super like, ooh, wow, ooh, but it was very, oh, okay, all right, well, let's continue. I have no problem with Grimm whatsoever. It is absolutely going to continue to be on my read pile. I'm very much enjoying it. I was just a little sad that that first volume, I guess, was wrapped up. Mm -hmm. Like it, it didn't feel quite like the ending I wanted, but that's okay. It's still still a great story, still a wonderful book. I don't have much of a review though because it's very much like that's a lot of new shit. It's a, it, sometimes when you have like a lot to unpack, there's too many questions. It, they really <laughs> like they're not, is. But like, they're not. It's not like confusing. No, no. It's just oh, we're open. We're opening up another onion that we have to unravel, and that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. and to ask too many questions, you you know you start to find yourself going down the wrong path. So. I don't want to give and it a negative. Kind of accept it. And I don't want to give it a negative review because it's absolutely staying on the read pile. I absolutely am enjoying it. I was just a little taken aback. I was like, oh, oh, I guess we're done with that previous story. Okay, well, fair enough. Mm -hmm. We need to talk about Ten Thousand Black Feathers. This is issue four. Jeff, Jeff, can I call you Jeff? I'm going to call you Jeff. I can't read two of these stories at the exact same time. So Little Monsters, of course, is eight issues where almost nothing has happened. Mm -hmm. But every issue, something interesting happens, and it keeps me intrigued. 
10,000 Black Feathers is doing the exact same thing, but I'm starting to get bored. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of jumping back and forth from previous, uh, from where Jack goes missing to where our main character, she decides to leave for college. Remember, she's a much older woman. She's coming back to solve the riddle of her missing friend. We get some incredibly... You know what's saving this book for me? Is these incredible, incredible artwork. Nice. In, this is one of the most gorgeous scenes I've seen, just period. It's so beautiful. And what, what's happening is all of these black feathers are descending like rain. And the line even goes as far as to say is, um, do you hear them? How they, how they rustle together like dried bones. Thin, dried bones, a starving, mole-eyed creature scurrying around inside your skull. This is your sound, and it's nearly time to let it rain down. Hmm. Beautiful, beautiful art. Incredibly gorgeous storytelling and writing. But, oh my lord, like we could have we done without this entire part of the book, as far as I'm concerned. It's just more backstory. It's more story that it doesn't... Then we all of a sudden, we start getting into the heavy reality. So remember how I said that this is one of those books where it looks like the writers of the... So there's these two girls who are kind of in a relationship, and they sort of created a uh, RPG or like a Dungeons & Dragons kind of thing, but it may have come to life. Mm -hmm. Turns out that may be the inverse. Jack may have been getting stolen away to this weird, creepy other reality and then writing her stories about being trapped in that other reality. Remember how I keep mentioning how it's like the 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 um, Shroopy Land episode of Rick and Morty. Yeah. So it's starting to veer much closer to Shroopy Land, and in the last part of the book, we actually end up in Shroopy Land. We're finally there. Alice is through the Looking Glass. Huh. So issue four was kind of a dud for the first half of the book. Mm -hmm. The second half of the book is fucking incredible. Just we we really we step on the pedal like all right here we go everybody let's get rolling. So basically, you weren't supposed to expect such a big... I expected something because it was issue four. And as we know, issue oh. four means issue four. Like, it's got to be a so big deal. So you got deal. it. I got it. Yeah. It, 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 was, it was starting to become an but issue. You got worried. <laughs> I did. I was very worried. It was very... <sighs> and, then we, and then as soon as, the, as, soon as the, the crows show up and start killing people, they're like, oh, shit. And then we end up in, in Wonderland or Underland or wherever the hell this version of this particular story is going, we end up there. Mm -hmm. I'm very excited to see what issue five has. I'm starting to wonder, though, if this is going to be like maybe a six-issue mini maximum. Because I could see issue five and then issue six kind of wrapping it up. But we'll see. Mm -hmm. Because Jeff Lemire has this really incredible slow-burn writing style that I kind of get annoyed with sometimes, but in the end, I'm always satisfied with his stories. Mm. But we did get a little close to me hitting, hitting the panic button. We here at The Read Pile have four specific pillars of The Read Pile. And those pillars include uh, the mayor of Halloween Town, Colin Bunn, uh, the clock king, Tom King, and <laughs> uh, everyone dies, Taylor, Tom Taylor, and of course the OG, Gail Simone. On my Read Pile this week is issue five of Love Everlasting by Tom King. Ding. I think it's issue five. Yeah, issue five. Um... So you know how in every issue of Love Everlasting where we just restart the story and Joan is becoming more and more cognizant of that fact that her life just keeps rebooting for some reason? Mm -hmm. Yep, and in the last issue, what was it? She was like... 
she's realizing, but then she falls for it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's last minute. So this issue starts with Joan reading some personals, waiting to see her therapist. And her therapist, in this case, is Penny Page. And Penny Page uh, has written a book called The Yeses and Noes of Dating. And Joan is speaking with Penny, and as Joan starts to speak with Penny, Penny is trying to get her to open up and just say, you know, what's been going on. And Joan finally is just sort of like, you know what, I fucking had it. You want to know what's going on? Fine. Every day I wake up, and I'm in some other world and some other time, and some other man is trying to court me, and they always tell me they want to marry me, and in the end I think, no, I don't want to get married, and then I get shot in the head by a fucking cowboy. And then I wake up in another continuity. What do you think of that, Penny Page? And Penny says... Yeah, I mean, this isn't the first time we've had this conversation. So, as Penny is trying to explain to Joan the ebb and flow of the world that Joan has found herself in, Joan is like, fuck that noise! You know what the hell's going on! Fucking talk to me! Yeah. And Penny's like, please don't use that kind of language. It's very unbecoming of a young woman. And Joan is like, I don't give a shit! Tell me what's going on! And Penny keeps trying to explain to her, like, you need to find the right man. That's what you need to do. And Joan's like, fuck that. Tell me why you know that I keep dying and keep getting resurrected and I'm having this fucking conniption. And Penny's like, you know, your mother has really worked very hard to find you a good man and you keep rejecting your mother's wishes. And if you could just settle down, you would have the yeses of dating. You'd understand. And Joan's like, would you fucking shut up and talk to me like a human? What the hell? How do you Tremendous. Again, Tom King. Mm -hmm. Tom King is going to give you every answer. You just have to be patient. You have to let him tell his story. What's happening with Joan is happening throughout time. And she's right. Every issue of Love Everlasting it, from the first four issues was essentially identical. But Joan has been aware the entire time. She finds a man. She falls in love. He asks her to marry her. She rejects him. The cowboy shows up and shoots her in the fucking head. And we do this all over again. So what happens in this issue? Joan is talking to Penny. You can see the timelines jumping. You can see how many times they've had this conversation. Penny demands... Uh, so Joan puts a knife to Penny's throat and demands that her mother shows up. Penny calls her mother, says, yes, I understand what needs to be done. Thank you, ma'am. What happens? And the issue ends. So, you think you know who's behind it? We don't know who's behind it. We know that we know what the story is now. Tom King has given you the answer. This is a woman, Joan, for whatever reason, she is completely in a, she has an inability to find love, even though love keeps finding her because love is everlasting. So, because Joan won't settle down or refuses to accept all of these, you know, suitors, something is causing her to then be tracked down by the cowboy, get shot in the head, wake up, and start all over again in a different time, in a different place, in a different continuity. But why a cowboy? It's just... No, I'm just saying. Like, the, I wonder if there's, like, a meaning behind that. Even probably not. It's pro the way the cowboy talks in this issue is he's just doing his job. This is, this it's kind of like watching um, romantic movies yeah. and all, and this is the cowboy. This is the cowboy who shows, yeah, he's the, he's the dark cowboy who shows up he's and kills. He's for you, he yeah. wants you to find love, so he's going to send you on your way. Or he's, or he's the token villain, and his whole point is that he's an evil cowboy. It doesn't matter. Like, the, cow the cowboy is a red herring. The, the love everlasting is a red herring. It's all a red herring. And that's Tom King. 
He's trying to tell you that this is the story of this woman who her story is she keeps finding love mm -hmm. and she keeps rejecting it. And her mother is so intent on her finding love and settling down and finding the right man mm -hmm. that she will literally create a universe to kill off her daughter, resurrect her, and do it again. I'm wondering if we're going to find out if maybe in the end Joan might be um, not traditionally a cis woman. If maybe that, that's the whole point of this story is that, you know, women are forced into a box mm -hmm. that you need to fall in love and become, you know, uh, married and have children and all that for you to be fulfilled. And Joan is trying to break out of that box. Feeling like they're constantly being chased and... And no matter and what forced. you... Yeah, and forced into this, you have to get into this cube, sit in this cube and be there. I, I There's a lot of things that Tom King... I like is, that idea. There's a lot of things that Tom King is playing at with this story, and I adore it. Now, as you may recall, my first three or four reviews of Love Everlasting weren't so great. I think it was my pick of the week once, because when the cowboy, like, changed... It was in the library, where he takes the handkerchief and turns into the cowboy at the very end of the issue, and I thought that was fucking yeah. amazing. But Love Everlasting is such a straightforward story. It's just being told from the perspective of the person who doesn't understand what's happening. Usually you're you... just as lost as she is. Exactly. It's it's really cool to watch, like read stories like that where you're like in that position so you can really fully appreciate the story. Right. Yeah. And and again, I adore that Tom King's like, "Don't worry, I'm going to give you every answer, mm -hmm. but it's not going to be what you think." And he's right every time. Someone who does this as well, but in a much different way, in a much more straightforward and in-your-face kind of way, is another member of the Reed Piles Four Pillars, and that is, we're just going to say it, Everyone Dies Taylor, Tom Taylor, our good friend from Australia. You know, it's tomorrow in Australia, so I hope Thanos, or, or not Thanos, uh, Galactus hasn't shown up to eat uh, the planet yet. That's one of my favorite things about 2020, whenever the year changes, mm -hmm. the Australians and the, and the Kiwis always share memes about how Galactus has shown up because they're a day ahead of everyone else. So that's always one of my favorite things. But yes, it's time to say goodbye to Superman, son of Kal-El. This is issue 16 of 16, uh, or 18 of 18, pardon me. Uh, the next storyline will continue in Adventures of Superman, John Kent. Uh, and technically in Action Comics 1050, the way they're building up Action Comics 1050, I might have to buy it because so many stories are intersecting there and they even go as far as to give you all of these variant covers. So it says like there's a spotlight on Action Comics 1050, the oversized uh, most historic series in superhero comic books. It's a major milestone. I would, I would conjecture that issue 1050 is not a major milestone. Once you hit issue 1000 of a comic book, I don't think there's any more milestones left outside of maybe 1500 or I guess 2000, which won't happen for literally another 80 years. Yeah. Um, it kind of loses a lot of the pop when you're like... Which encourages the whole, like, just restart. Just restart the fucking... Maybe like that could be the special. Look, we're Look. going back to issue number one. And, and uh, before I get to, but my... I'm sure there's a story that they have been building up to. So oh, they need absolutely, to, absolutely, you know, and maybe it ends. But we also have Dark Crisis uh, wrapping up with issue seven, mm -hmm. uh, and that's supposed to restart the DCEU. And then there's going to be Lazarus Planet, which is going to start the DCU. All these other things, they're still trying to like placate to the people who were mad at the start of the new DC New 52, 
because the new 52 literally restarted everything. And I, I, I continue to scream loudly into the night, knowing full well that no one gives a fuck, that Marvel gets it right. They just restart everything at issue one. Once the story wraps up, once the creative team leaves, or once you know a big event happens, we're back to issue one. Mm-hmm. Just do that, for God's sake. I'm so tired of, of well, you know, you need to get, you need to get issue one of, or issue 1,000. Could you imagine going into a comic store and just having to buy issue, like, 10,042 or something like that, or 1,042? Like, it's, it's absurd. And, you know, we make this statement a hundred times. I know I'm, I'm way off on a rant. I've had too much coffee this morning. I'm sorry. But I still really want to read Nightwing. Tom Taylor's Nightwing is up for Eisner Awards. It's getting heralded as one of the greatest runs of all time. And I would have been on board with it, but it started at, like, something ridiculous, like issue 82 or 74 or some randomness. If it had just started at issue one, my brain would have been able to handle it because I'm a dork, and I would have been on board. Be that as it may. Let's talk about Superman, Son of Kal-El, issue 18, and how it was damn near my pick of the week. Damn near, but not quite. So this is the end of the Return of Kal-El storyline for now, before we get started on the next volume. We get to see the Justice League working together to reassemble uh, the um, now destroyed, the then destroyed house of the of Mon Pa Kent, who, as you may recall, way back in the very beginning of the story, a metahuman was dropped on their house and it was completely destroyed. It turns out when you get the Justice League working together in unison, they can build a house in like five minutes. Because, of course, you've got Flash, you've got Superman, you've got two Supermanses, you've got Wonder Woman, and all of them can work at super speed. You've got a Green Lantern to, you know, keep everything in order. And then Batman's there to press a button and, and a shield comes up. <laughs> it's pretty hilarious. Nightwing makes an appearance. They talk to John about how this character, Red Sin, can take away John's powers. So Nightwing gives him some ideas on how to stop him from getting killed. And then we get our final battle between Nightwing or between Red Sin John Kent and Clark Kent. And what's very impressive about Red Sin is Red Sin wins for for a bit. The big bad is taken down, the story is wrapped up. We get to see why John Kent has this crazy belt, what the whole point of that was. Thank you so much, Tom Taylor, for actually explaining why superhero costumes look the way they do. I love it. I adore it. We also get to see what happens when uh, John Kent absorbs too much of the uh, sun's solar radiation, which is why it's going to be important that he, in his own series, he shows up, or on Lazarus' planet, he shows up looking like um, uh, Superman from when Superman returned and he was blue. Remember red and blue Superman? Electric Superman? They've already shown that John Kent is going to be an electric Superman as well, a a plasma-based character. And it's because he probably absorbed too much of the sun's solar radiation, and his powers are changing. And they mention that in this book. They're setting up everything for the next series. It absolutely would have been my pick of the week, without question, except for the fact that something very special happened this week. My pick of the week is not a good book. My pick of the week was a difficult story to read that made no sense whatsoever. My pick of the week is Batman Spawn, the 30th anniversary, issue number one. I got the lenticular cover. Mm -hmm. Look, look, it's lenticular. 30 
years ago, I started collecting comic books by reading Spawn number one. Technically, it was Punisher, like, issue 10, but Spawn was the first character I ever really collected. I still have the first 64 issues of Spawn over there. I've read them all. They're all in terrible condition. I've got a special issue number one signed by Todd McFarlane uh, that I'll, I just, my dad bought for me, like, 10 years ago. 30 years ago, Batman versus Spawn happened. It was called Spawn Batman, and then it was called Batman Spawn. 30 years later, Todd McFarlane writes a story that brings Todd McFarlane and Greg Capullo back, and I, I'm back in my childhood. I'm back, uh, there's there's parts here where Al Simmons gets to cut loose, and he, you can see the Violator, and you can see all of the, uh, there, there's all these different Spawns, but Al Simmons, I'm going to tell you guys why this is my pick of the week. At one point, Al Simmons and Bruce Wayne Batman are talking to each other, and all I can hear in my head is Keith David and um, Kevin Conroy talking back and forth to each other. And it's because these were the two characters of my youth. Like, Punisher will always be the first comic book I ever read, but when it comes to my favorite characters, it's always going to be Spawn, and it's always going to be Batman. And the fact that Spawn was voiced by Keith David and Batman was voiced by Kevin Conroy, I just hear them whenever they're talking to each other. So Keith David, in my future, we don't, we, he doesn't survive. They killed him first because they were scared of him. And Alfred says, well, they're afraid of Batman. Not like they should be, Keith David says. And then Kevin Conroy responds back, you think having powers is all it takes. I've been, I would have been dead years ago if that were true. I get it. I know how they trained you to think from the neck down. That's how you survived. I tried to do that for nearly a decade, and it got me almost got me killed a dozen times. Now I do. I use what's above my neck. I use my brain. I can just hear it. I can, Todd McFarlane writes these characters very well. Mm -hmm. This was a trip down Nostalgia Avenue for me. The story makes absolutely no sense. Who cares? There's apparently it's still fun. there's apparently a court of owls that knows that if they like I don't know piss into the wind at the right moment and fart the the alphabet at the same time and then eat a piece of cheesecake they'll like turn crime alley into a dead zone where undead creatures like spawn can come into our universe and eh, who gives a shit it, it, none of this makes sense it makes absolutely no sense I don't fucking care <laughs> I I they set up an issue two. I hope there is more to this. I don't know if there's going to be. But remember, there were two issues in the original. I should have pulled them out now that I think about it. So issue one, actually, there were two completely different stories. One of them was written by um, uh, Neil Gaiman, I think. Was it Neil Gaiman or Frank Miller? It was Frank Miller, I'm sorry. So one of Batman, so like Batman Spawn is written by Frank Miller. Mm -hmm. And like Spawn okay. Batman is written by Todd McFarlane. Oh. I think. I'll have to go back and check. But this was an absolutely wonderful journey down Nostalgia Road. Uh, I adored every pa every panel of this. It it reminds me. Look at look at how cool Spawn looks. Look at that. That's Greg Capullo doing his doing his best damn Spawn. And then you know we get to see Greg Capullo doing Batman again, and his, which is the new Fifty Two Greg Capullo. This is perfect for for a nerd like me. This book <laughs> it doesn't get better. And the fact that I can hear Kevin Conroy's voice again talking to Keith David. Good stuff. So that about wraps things up for this week's episode of the Green Pile. My pick of the week, of course, is Batman Spawn issue number one. And Elle's pick of the week? Oh, it's another classic. Wonder Woman 794. 
Uh, we'll be back next week. It is our special Christmas edition of the Read Pile. So we'll be wearing special shirts, as is uh, the case with most of our special editions. I'm going to tie Rick up with lights. I am not a Grinch. At any rate, we always want to make sure that we say thank you, of course, to our great friends, the Space Bastards, Mad Cave Comics, our sister show, The Indie Cast, um, EricPalicki.com and AJSchumacher.com. Make sure you check out our friends. They have been wonderful to us. AJ specifically goes out of his way to just check in on us. He's, he's a wonderful human, and I cannot recommend you visiting his page and reading his funny comic books and uh, st uh, comic I can't, strips. Good Lord. Next week, of course, is our Christmas issue, and after that will be our New Year's issue with our picks of the year. And I still have to decide if it's going to be Dual Powerbomb, Crimson Cage, Batman Killing Time, or Batman One Bad Day Riddler. I don't, I don't know. You, you don't have One Bad Day Catwoman coming out. I do have One Bad Day Catwoman coming out, too, and that's by G. Willow Wilson, and she's really fucking good. So... All right, everybody, until next week, I am the Sussman, Rick Sussman, for the original Angry Nerd Girl, Elvis Strange, and we will be back wearing festive clothing and actually very cold next week. So until then, say goodbye, Elle. Bye, Elle. X. Oh, standing is the worst part. <laughs>